0: a very good evening, pleasant evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of JMU Sound Off. Happy New Year. I am Jonathan McNamara, coming to you, as always, from Richmond, Virginia. Big episode tonight. We're going to get to who our guests are in just a minute. But before we get started, want to, as always, thank our sponsors from the Montpelier Collective. Lots of interesting campaigns going on and great ways that you can get involved with the Collective now. To find out more, as always, visit MontpelierCollective.com. We're going to talk about a unique coach for a day experience that they have going on in just a few minutes with our first guest. And we also wanna thank our friends from Skyline Financial Partners. Special shout out to Tim Nelson, who made the trip out to Jamie's bowl game in Texas and served as a special correspondent While uh, Michael and I recovered from the flu and COVID and everything else that hit our houses. So, special thanks to Tim and the team at Skyline Financials because of you guys that we were able to put on these broadcasts. And with that, we will get our co hosts for the night into tonight's broadcast. As always, Steve Brown, Michael Evangelista, and Taylor Atkins. Happy New Year's, guys. I know it's been a lot has happened in the JMU universe since we last spoke. So, just wanted to welcome you on to another year, 2024, of JMU Sound Off and great conversations. We're going to get to an extended version of final thoughts in just a second, but we want to get to our first guest because he is a man that has a lot on his shoulders and a lot on his plate at the moment, and that is head coach Mark Byington from the JMU men's basketball team, 14-1, and fresh off a road trip. Coach, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your Sunday evening. We know you have a lot on your schedule. Um, Obviously, yesterday, a game where the outcome wasn't what we wanted, a, a game against a team that... Record is one thing, but they're, they're a team that had the preseason player of the year in the Sun Belt and showed what kind of talent they have on that roster. But still 14 and one, something to really celebrate. We want to start right off the bat by just giving you an opportunity um, to kind of assess where you are through 15 games and and what this run has meant for you. And, and, and maybe when you started to realize that this uh, particular group of, of Dukes might have something special in this lineup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, I'm sorry. My voice a little hoarse yesterday. I did a lot of yelling yesterday. Um. And uh, thanks for bringing up that we weren't coming off our first loss. It was fourteen and one's a, a nice way to put it. Um, the Sun Belt road's tough. I mean, it, it really is the travel and, and and what we had to do. We had a tough game against Louisiana on Thursday. We had to bus down to the, the Mississippi and get down there for early game. And I thought we were ready to play. And you run into good teams. I mean, it it, it happens. And you know that team has now won twenty of their past twenty one home games in that place. And it is a hostile, tough environment with talent and, and, you know, good teams, good players. And, and it's a challenge. And they just added, you know, five games ago, they added one of the best players in our league. You know, the NCA kind of did this waiver thing where everybody's eligible and kind of opened the window where everybody can transfer anywhere all the time. And they added a point guard is one of the best in the league. And, and, you know what? They played really well. I thought we were ready to play. We didn't play our best, but but that happens. And if you kind of say the the snapshot is saying, all right, the first fifteen games. I mean, um, you know, it's an understatement to say you know, it's a great start. Um, but we haven't been caught up in it. Um, we really, we really haven't. It's been one of those things where we just kind of focused on what we're doing and where we're going in the next game and. And and that's hard. Um, you know, it's when the momentum starts building, the national attention comes for myself, the players, the team, and everybody else. It's hard to eliminate distractions. And I thought we did a good job at that. You know, when we were picked preseason number one, I was like, all right, there's a big target on our back. And then after our first week or two or three weeks of the season, I was like, Yeah, god, I got amplified. Um, but we've handled it well and and we got to keep handling it well. I mean, it's going to look like this, how it looked last week of, of how tough the Sun Belt is.
2: Sorry. Can everyone hear me? My my microphone just went mute. Are we so good? Mm-hmm. Good. Um, I want to put into context some of the stuff of what you were talking about in that uh, with our high net ranking that we've had in the top 30, we've had this national AP ranking in the 19 as of right now still. Um, to put some context into that, the excitement that a lot of people had around the football program this year when they were ranked in the top 25 as high as 18, not to belittle that, but that's out of 132 FBS programs. Our net, our ranking, when you're talking about 19th in the country, I believe it's 362, 363 men's basketball programs. So even now, I, I, I looked at the updated net for today. I think it's it dropped you know, down to about 56 that still puts us in the same percentage ratio wise as what the football team was when they were at their highest top 25 ranking. So to still be competing at such a high level, doing what few teams, not only at JMU you have ever done, but few teams in the country at any level have done. I think it's uh, a pretty incredible time for JMU fans to embrace the moment of where we are and how special the season is. And the, 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 the thick of the season, the conference play is really just starting. So, Um, I want to lead into that a little bit with uh, we got two big home games coming up this week. Arguably, uh, this game Saturday specifically, it's Appalachian State. It's a Sunbelt rival in almost every sport we have. They have this big win coming off Auburn. They're also the second highest ranked team in the Sunbelt right now. But not just talking about that game. Talk about these two games and really this second half of the season, what it means for the community in the Shenandoah Valley to come out and watch this team the students to come out and watch this team and maybe some of those alumni that because of the COVID season, we didn't have this big fancy grand opening of the AUBC and have maybe not found their way back to Harrisonburg for a basketball team. Talk about how important it is when that place is full and rocking and what it means to your team.
1: Yeah. So you know we'll start we'll start with this week. And you know, you know, we know people support us. And and you could support us at home. And but you know what? We don't feel it. it. It it's not something that that impacts our team or impacts an outcome. You know, we had a game this year, we played Radford at home, and I think we had close to 8,000 fans, maybe a little over that. That place was electric. And we were playing great. We we're a little bit off. And I swear we're not winning that game without the crowd. And so there's there's ways you can support you know, whether it's financially collective, but if you're not, if you're in, and and all those things are great, we really need those. But if you're at home saying I'm supporting a team, we don't feel it. You got to get to the AUBC. And when you're there, it's one of the nicest arenas in the country. I think we play a fun style. My, my, my team loves playing there in front of the fans, but you can impact, you can change results. You can do different things when you're in those seats and at those places. And, And there's no reason I feel like this. There's no reason that we shouldn't be close to sell out on Thursday night, on Saturday and everything moving forward. Um, I don't want to have anybody take what we're doing for granted and, and, you know, come be a part of it. You know, it's you're you're supporting it when you're at home. But when you're in the arena, you're a part of it. And we need people to be a part of it and kind of kind of jump in there with us.
3: Yeah, no doubt, Coach, and I'm um, excited for the upcoming home game this this next Saturday. Uh, we'll definitely all be there. Um, first off, yeah, thank you for hopping on the the platform with us. Really, congratulations on a historical start of the season, 14 and one, like you said, um, ranked as high as number 19 in the polls. Want to take a step back? You, you you spent seven years at Georgia Southern, had, had a great run over there. Um, people forgot, right? You came in to 2020 in the midst of COVID. Uh, We were still in the prior conference. You were probably recruiting all over Zoom and not really having a lot of official visits on site. Talk to me a little bit, because I think this last class was probably your first true, full on recruiting class with no restrictions, correct? Like, tell us a little bit about that transition and how that's been for you guys so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you think about when I got here in 2020, um, I stayed at Hotel Madison for a month and I was the only person in the hotel. Um, I was like, I was like, what a great house I live in because I was the only person there and I didn't have a place to live and and everything in Harrisonburg was shut down. Um and and then, you know, we had a a really surprising first year there. Um had a great player, Matt Lewis, and 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 got some things going there, won the regular season championship. And truthfully, if you put me on a lie detector, I think we win the whole thing if Matt Lewis don't get doesn't get hurt that first year. Uh, we were rolling. Uh, we were playing great and then you talk about a, a flip we were playing great the second year we were nine and two um beat george mason old dominion and uva and and all these teams and and then we had um um just you know crazy injuries but then at the end of that we had we were kicked out of the caa tournament and you know dealing with that was was tough so then you go to the year three and now we're switching to the sun belt and you know, had a good first year in the Sun Belt. And, and now we're trying to kind of get our feet on the ground. And that's with recruiting, like you're talking about. That's with their basketball program. That's with under the fans kind of understanding the rivals, the games, and who we're playing against. That's all part of it. So, you know, it's a lot of times you say, all right, I'm in year four, and you think, all right, well, it's been a, a slow build or something going up it's been a lot of ups and downs um of just kind of getting our feet on the ground with not so much things that are going on with our program, things that are going on with the world, whether it be COVID or, or the, the league change and, and, and the tournament band and things like that. So um I feel like now we're, we got a clear direction going forward. And I think that helped our recruits. Uh, I think it's helped our team Um and, and it's, it's when you got a singular focus and a goal and you know what you're working with, it, it's not simpler, but you know where you're going. You know what you're heading to, as opposed to you're trying to try trying to hit targets sometimes that you don't even really know where they are. Uh, but, but now we know exactly where we're heading to.
4: Well, Coach, I appreciate you being on and, you know, Michael forgot there's a game Thursday. So we have South Alabama coming into town.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Steve, I and, and mentioned this Um this is a team that beat us on a buzzer beater at third place last year and knocked us out of the tournament. And it's what it's been one of the best teams in in the Sunbelt. I think, um, you know, sometimes we get our fans, everybody understand like, 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 like like who's good. And and South Alabama has been one of the best teams in this league for a long time. I know it. I've been in the league now. This is year number eight. So I know Sunbelt, I know them and Richie Riley does a great job. So, uh don't worry Well, we're not overlooking um South Alabama we know they're good on Thursday
4: no I just want to make sure the fans know they need to come out on Thursday night because this team uh took Appalachian State to overtime on January 4th and that was at their house Appalachian State ended up beating them by seven but that game was I mean South Alabama had that game several times they lost yesterday to Georgia State but you know, don't let their record, when people start looking at people's records and thinking, you know, ESPN says it's a 3% chance that they'll beat JMU. Don't pay attention to any of that nonsense, because when these guys get in the gym, these guys are tough, tough teams, no matter who they are in the Sun Belt. So come out and watch. We need you guys on Thursday night. I know you tons of people are coming Saturday. You need a ton of people coming on Thursday. Um, the question I have for you is what lessons have you all learned in the first 15 games? If you've got any you know, two or three lessons that are out there that y'all have learned? I know you talked about, you know, you guys have been good about watching the distractions or, or monitoring those, but what types of lessons have you guys learned as a team?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we added new guys, a lot of new guys from last year's team. And even the guys that are returning have new roles. So you learn kind of what guys are good at, you know, well, you know, what makes them successful. And, and having a week like we just had, and, and Thursday, even though we won, and Saturday, even though we lost, we got a great kind of, you know, things to things to look at and learn from. And that's what everything comes down to with us. You know, we play 31 regular season games, and, I mean, we're only 15 in. And, and so we got a long way to go. So if what we are today is who we are in March, it's not going to be good enough. So we got to be – Get better and get better, and, and and, I love the fact that you know we just had some things that happened on Thursday and Saturday that we got to change and learn from, and and you know, it started with film session today with the coaches and myself, and we got there then to, tomorrow we're bringing the team in involved, and we got to get back to work. Um, and I love the fact this that sometimes you learn more about your team and adversity than success. And I love the way we were in the locker room after the game yesterday. That was big for me. It wasn't pointing the fingers. It wasn't guys, um, you know, you know, saying you know with somebody else, whatever else. It was ownership, and 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 I, you know, the guys got their attention, and they want to get better. They want to fix some things, and and we played well yesterday. We didn't play well enough, and we know we can get better. And
0: hey coach, uh, one purpose of this show that we've had from day one is to really shine light on how fans and supporters of this program can get more involved in making a direct impact. And we've shined a lot of light uh, on the importance of the Montpelier Collective. And I know you and I had a chance to talk at the the Spring Duke Club tour um, directly about this. It made some videos for the collective that were put out. Uh, but I did want to give you an opportunity to to speak to fans of JMU Basketball and fans of the athletic department, because there have been questions or there, there's still kind of general understanding is is becoming increased as people learn more about NIL and what it means. But from your perspective as a coach, um, why is this topic so important and and why is it um, in addition to people's gifts to the Duke club, because we know that they're still a, a, in a critically important role in supporting that. But from your perspective, the Coach, where, where does the collective fit in and, and why is it so important um, for people to get engaged? And then we'll get you to talk about in a second um, a way that people have a direct uh, opportunity to get involved with your basketball program in a second. Uh, but from your just basic level, the importance of the collective.
1: Yeah, well, right now, the only way to be collective and, or the only way to be successful in our sport is through the collective and I'm talking about sustainable success and, and having success year after year and, and building something. It used to be a little bit different. It used to be um, your campus. It used to be your meal plan or your facilities or something else. This is the way that the so that the teams that are in college basketball are successful right now. Right now, you can look at us and and, and we're one of the, probably the only outlier so you look at we're, whether we're top 25 or we're top 50 or top 75, we're an outlier right now of where we are compared to what our collective is and where we are kind of compared to some certain things with budget and things like that. Now, my I just want to bring attention to this, that we have certain things on campus that we need to show everybody else in the world. We need to show um, what the what the fans are like, what the arena is like, what the campus, the academics, and everything else. But we come to recruiting battles, or having sustained success with keeping our players here. It's the collective, and it's it didn't used to be that way two years ago. Uh, so it's not like it's just something that just came about. But for us to be successful and not just be an outlier, because uh, outliers are hard to sustain, and for us to be sustainable success and keep going forward we have to have support there and you know, we're going to be dealing with it year after year. And I don't think the rules going anywhere or change anything that we got to make sure that our players are compensated um, that the way the NCA has kind of changed, changed the Avenue of, of what players can get and do and everything else, which, you know, they, they should share in a lot of things and success and revenue that, that we're getting. Well, we need to have, We need to have a revenue and access for them to be able to get to that. And so, you know, we've done great things. We can we can keep doing good things, but I want to take it to another step higher. Um, You know, we can, um, but we can't with the kind of format that we have right now and kind of um, the support that we have right now it's got to be amped up a lot more for us to even come close to sustaining this or even taking a step higher.
0: Well, and one of the ways we're going to try to amp it up is by getting fans closer to the program and having more opportunities um, to get a direct connection and build those relationships. And and I give you credit um, because you've, helped uh, with Cliff Wood and others on the collective to create this unique basketball experience um, that is available at montpeliercollective.com fans can go there now um, purchase a ticket to enter for a chance to join you and your staff and the team um, for a coach for the day experience can you give us uh, a little insight into how that came into being uh, and what those who, who might be interested in buying a ticket are going to get a chance to experience um, if they're fortunate enough to be selected for that
1: yeah so um, with my son I'm a huge believer in experiences. And, you know, I don't want him to have another pair of shoes. I'd rather him see something with me or go do something with me. And and I and I think that's, um, you know, having an experience like this is something that you cannot get. Um, you, you cannot get and you can talk to your friends about it. Um, I'm going to give you all access when you have this experience. I'm going to make sure that you're going to see every single thing possible. You're going to see how our shoot around works, how the game prep works, how the day of the game works behind the scenes in the locker room. You're going to be at halftime in the locker room pregame. And one thing I want to add to this that's not on there right now is um, I want to make it a plus one. And so whoever wins it, I want to make sure that not only are you going to be able to do it, I want to make sure you can share it with somebody else. So if it's a if it's a child, a husband, wife sister, brother, uh, your, your best friend or whatever else. Um, whoever wins, we're going to make sure it's accessible for two people so you can have the bench access. My only thing is um, in the coach's huddles, I've had I've done this experience before and a guy jumped in the coach's huddles one time we were having a, a bad run and he jumped in and said, Coach, you need to start playing zone. We don't even have zone in our, in our, in our repertoire. So I'm going to give you all access except for like one little bit. Um, that the, the coaches huddles there, they're, they're in that, but, um, it will be one of those once in a lifetime things. I mean, you're not getting this anywhere else and you're going to sit around and look at your friends, your family, and, and they're not going to have that experience. Um, you're going to have an experience that nobody else has. And I think that's what life's all about. I think it's something really cool.
0: And once again, so if you're, you're now inspired, you want to be a coach for the day, you don't want to get a technical, you don't want, you don't want to charge the court or, or say we're playing zone montpeliercollective.com you can buy your tickets unlimited amount of tickets you can purchase to try to win this experience um and we just are really grateful coach that that you're willing to do it and again shows the creativity uh and the new ways that the montpelier collective is, is looking for uh opportunities to expand interest in this program and connections and build those relationships uh, and just grateful for your willingness and the team's willingness to do this Uh, we have a tradition on this program so uh, our our listeners don't know who our next two guests are you do because you were in the pre-show but we do have uh, two additional guests for tonight's episode two guys who I think need no introduction but Kurt Dudley the voice of the Dukes David Taylor also a longtime voice of JMU Athletics Kurt, uh, we want to give you an opportunity before we get to your part of the show to ask a question uh, to Coach Byneton. We know you guys are very familiar, um, but to introduce yourself and, and and what's on your mind in terms
5: of what you'd like to hear from Coach. Well, first, gentlemen, thank you for having me this evening. Uh, I must say that uh, in many of my Sunday evening wind-down walks after a busy weekend of JMU sports, uh, listening to you guys has been nice uh, to do that. So, and, and it gives me food for thought for any upcoming broadcasts. Uh, coming up as well. So, Mark, uh, one of the questions, you know, JMU athletics has been um, on a tremendous, successful run uh, in, in all sports, quite frankly, and uh, we're very, very happy that basketball is one of those men's basketball in particular that has joined that great run here recently. How much does your M- your program? How much is it impacted by the success of the other sports teams around the campus of James Madison?
1: Yeah, that great great question, Kurt. And I wish my voice sounded like yours right now, by the way. Uh, mine's a little bit off. Um, you know, one of the things that people don't understand about JMU who are on the kind of the outside or whatever else is the amount of support we give each other within the athletic department and the, the amount of times that we talk and ask for advice and, hey, you're doing this with recruits. How's it working? Or, or what can we do to kind of help each other out? And every time somebody else is successful at jmu it shines the light on on all of us and it is it's never any kind of jealousy and i um, mean when when i just got here softball went on an incredible run and um i mean we're sending that out to our recruits talking about the run that softball's on and and then this past year with the football team and, and game day and and experiences there and 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 their winning success and our women's basketball team winning it last year, um, and I'm um, not even mentioning like like soccer and lacrosse and everybody else and who has all these success. We kind of share in each other, we push each other, and it's kind of the standard here, where you have everything. We got a great retiring boss right now, and Jeff Bourne. We got a great president who really supports athletics, who knows how important it is. But the biggest thing I could tell you from the inside is the amount of support everybody gives each other and helps each other. Um, it, it's not everybody's just out there do their own thing, which that's not at every school. I've been in a lot of schools. Um, I'm getting older now and I've been in a lot of schools. That's not everywhere. At JMU it is, and that, that's a special. that's a special thing.
6: Coach, uh, that's great. You know, I, I've been around the university for a long, long time and spent 36 years uh, at the university as as a full-time employee, never in the athletic department, but I always had lots of relationships with folks within athletics and, and some because of broadcast and various other things. But uh, there's kind of this, uh, well, culture. There's this ethos that exists on campus, and I think uh, I think that's, that's that's what you're describing, and it's uh, it's been a trait of of the purple and gold for for quite a while. I I want to uh, pick up on something that that you were talking about a, a moment ago about being an outlier, and in many ways, uh, not only are you an outlier in terms of the landscape of college basketball right now, uh, where you've taken this program in the last four years is uh, a place, well, obviously, into the national rankings where it's never been before, but also the sustained success for the last four years. Folks who've been around the program, we haven't seen that since, well, the electric Brazil years back in the early 90s, and then before that, the Lou Campanelli years in the in the uh, late 70s and the, and the beginning of the, the 1980s. Um, you've been recognized uh, by your peers as an X's and O's guy, uh, as, as, as being right at the top of the, the, the heap there. And, and so I, I'd like to ask you a question that's always been on my mind, because I watch your team, and everybody talks about the, the points that your team scores, which obviously tremendous offensively talented teams that share the basketball and, 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 and do wonderful things. But I know it happens that that really the the foundation of all of that is what you're doing on the defensive end of the floor. Can you talk a little bit about what your defensive philosophy is uh that you you try to uh to to mold your team into a into a defensive unit that then produces what 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 you can do on the offensive end
1: yeah uh thank you david um if if you're going to have success. In, in college basketball, you're going to have to be a good defensive team, and we got to go on the road. We got pressure tournament games. The offense isn't always going to be there, and if if you can look at my notes, I just spent the entire Sunday morning. It's about 50 notes um, describing our, the things we can improve on defense. But I, I'll tell you this: our, our philosophy has one thing we emphasize it. We spend majority of our practice on it, but we do adjust. I got to adjust the personnel and then sometimes I could think going into one way that we're going to do something, but I got to adjust. And, and sometimes the game we got to adjust. Um, what we try to do is we try to have a base and, and then be sound in our base and our fundamentals. And then sometimes we'll run into really good players on a hot shooting night or a great post player or a guard that's super quick or whatever else. And then we got to adjust our scheme. And, and we try to do that as a team. Uh, we try to as a coaching staff. Um, I think our goal is to give ourselves the best chance to win. And what I don't want to do is every single night, we got a different game plan on defense and kind of throwing things out because um, I don't think tricks can work long-term. I, I think you got to be sound and the emphasis got to be in the right place. But I do think this, I do think that, If you're one of the top three defensive teams in the league, and so we have 14 teams in the league, if we're one of the best three defensive teams, we'll be one of the top three teams because of our offensive firepower and some things we do there. So that's why we spend so much time on a defensive end.
0: Well, Coach uh – we we wanted to we sold you be about ten minutes we we went to twenty eight so that's my <laughs> fault I was talking about it. okay. out of respect to your time we just want to say thank you again and and one last reminder we're gonna hit it as many times as we can in this show uh, to have an opportunity uh, to to win the coach for a day experience um you can purchase your raffle tickets at MontpelierCollective.com. Uh, we'll continue to promote it throughout the week and throughout the show but coach good luck the rest of the week and good luck the rest of the season uh, we'll be cheering you on and uh, just appreciate all you and your staff have done um, we like to say to the coaches not just the wins and losses you're the Ones that give us something to talk about. Uh, you're also somebody that gives all of us uh, a little bit of break from the stresses of life. So, um, just please, on behalf of all of us, thank your players too, because it's uh, it's their contributions and their efforts that give us all something to cheer about. And uh, just know it's really appreciated.
1: Thanks, guys. It was fun. Hope to see you by Thursday.
0: Awesome. Thanks, coach.
1: Go check the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just <laughs>
0: Anyway, um, Kurt and David, we, we wanted to get to the second half. There's a big part of why we wanted to have you on is, is it's no secret to anybody who's a Jamie fan that this has been a pretty special time for um, anybody who's a fan of this program as, as to to watch the growth of of not just the, the maybe the, the programs like football and basketball that get a lot of the attention, but um, the continued growth of our Olympic sports. And 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 as we start in a new year, um, I just wanted to get you both to, to kind of where your head is at. Um, with the success that this collective athletic program has had, um, our third college game day experience being ranked in basketball, beating Michigan State, our soccer programs, the softball success that we've seen, uh, lacrosse is national championship. Um, as, as people who have watched this program and, and put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it, you know, start with you, Kurt. Um, did you ever think we'd be where we are today? And and how special has this run been of late um, for somebody, especially that's so many hours behind the mic um, calling games for JMU?
5: Well, it certainly has been a magical run. Uh, I, I must say that uh, there are parts of me that that thinks, wow, this is just incredible and and never would have thought it would have happened. But there are other aspects uh, that kind of go back uh, historically to, to the time even before I came to James Madison when David uh, was here before I was. And uh, just knowing what the history and the foundation and what the vision was. Uh, there have been an awful lot of visionaries uh, with the university over the many years but there's also been those that have followed with the execution of that vision, knowing that it takes time and patience. And uh, Jeff Bourne uh, has been big on that, as uh, has been the presidents uh, during his tenure there, um, including uh, President Alger currently. So, um, it, part of me says, "Wow, this it, it is unbelievable." Pinch me, but other parts are like, "Yeah, I can believe that we've done this." And. Uh, with the pace though, over the last five or six years, that's probably the most incredible thing is how it all fell together so quickly. If you go back uh, to, um, you know, Everett Withers first year as the football coach here and how things since that point has just with every sport has has elevated. Um, so it, it has been quite, quite remarkable. And, and it's been a great story. It's, it's helped us quite a bit from the broadcasting standpoint because it gives us plenty of, Plenty of fodder to talk about.
2: David, did you want to add anything to kind of your perspective? Well,
6: yeah, I, 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 it, it, I think the the thing that strikes me is uh, maybe I'm well, I'm not a pessimist, but I no, I didn't expect I didn't expect us to have the 18th ranked basketball team in the country and and to have a football team that did the transition and uh, and ended up being ranked in the first two years. Uh, These are things that are just unprecedented. These are things that when you look at schools that have our history, which is relatively short when when we talk about uh, schools that have been uh, having sustained success over a long period of time. um, I, I think it's really important for fans of James Madison University to soak in this experience to recognize what it is to be amazed by it, frankly, uh, and then you know, as coaches mentioned, do all the things that we can do as fans and supporters of the program to try to find ways to make this sustainable. Uh, because you know, it, it, I used to uh, I spent a good number of years as the marketing director for the university uh, for the for the university, not for the athletic program. And one of the things that we talked about uh, on on occasion is that we would have great successes as an institution, whether it was uh, certain academic recognitions or certain things that would happen from an admissions standpoint. And you feel like sometimes, you know, we're getting to a point now where we're 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 uh, we're punching at a higher weight class. And uh, you know, to to mix some metaphors here, uh, maybe we're we're Outrunning our supply lines in terms of the resources that are necessary to be able to sustain those kinds of things. There have been, as as Kurt has mentioned, some some people who are responsible for some of the magic, uh, and there are a lot of people, you know, going back to Ron Carrier and and and, and that grand vision that, that that he had. But then a president like Linwood Rose, who comes in and can take that vision and then can see that it is uh, uh, really integrated throughout the expanse of the university and executed upon. And, you know, John Algers picked up on that certainly. And then you've got people like, well, obviously Jeff Bourne, who's done an amazing job, and Charlie King, who uh, as the financial wizard behind things for the last 20 years prior to his, uh, his retirement. Um, you know, those are individuals who have helped the culture of the university, uh, say, stay the same, have been able to sustain that culture. And that's allowed us to be in these situations where these kinds of magical things can happen. Uh, but it is going to be something that I think fans and supporters of the program need to be amazed by it and not take it for granted and recognize that this in many ways, if we want to see this happen and continue to happen, well, we're going to have to all step up a little bit more than we have in the past, uh, both in the stands and then obviously in support of uh, of of a changing landscape and collegiate athletics with things like the Montpelier Collective.
2: Well, and you've kind of led into what was going to be the question I wanted to, to ask you both and, and really, Kurt, with um, as David's talking about JMU being an industry leader in so many areas, mm-hmm. I want to take us back probably 10, 15 years ago um, when there was the development of what became MataZone and where Madison came in, and Kurt, you can correct me if I say any of this wrong, but when that was being discussed and uh, planned for, you know, your larger schools at the P5 level, a lot of the higher FBS schools, you know, they had these large media contracts and TV deals, so they weren't so as focused as, you know, we've got to find a way to stream and get access to video for our sporting events, and then you had the smaller schools, the mid-majors, the low-majors, which just didn't have the infrastructure, the budget to really pursue something like that. Matizone really was um, a national industry leading product that we put out there. And there really wasn't anyone doing it like we were when we started. So I, I would love to hear, Kurt, kind of your thoughts and David, anything you wanna add to it about what was the thought process behind that? The, you know Why was JMU pursuing something that no one else was? And then just kind of talk about the history of, of how it has grown to, you know, what is in essence our, our ESPN Plus broadcast today.
5: Yeah, well, thank you. Well, We go back, it, it, it originated around 2006-07 at that time. I had gotten out of the sports information um, being an SID for teams and starting to take over as the Internet has changed the sports information industry Tenfold, fold 100-fold, 1,000-fold. I mean, it's been incredible. And the video streaming, the audio streaming, uh, it started with audio streaming. David and I, back uh, at the turn of the century, started to do some audio streaming. And uh, if I could spend 30 minutes telling you how we used to archive things because it would take a long time to, I mean, piece a football game together to archive it. But uh, really what happened was we did a, a revamping of our uh, uh, in in 2007. And that's when MataZone was launched and MataZone, the name, I got to give credit to Jeff Polglace. We sat in the office in meetings and talking about everything. I was out cutting my lawn, thinking about what are we going to call this? And, and so Jeff came up with MataZone. And uh, what, it, what it was initially is that when we went to that new website, we were a New Lion partner. Um, and New Lion was kind of an international. They were they did a lot of stuff with European sports uh, particularly, um, actually motorsports was kind of their big thing at that time. And, uh, so we, we partnered with them, but that was behind a paywall. Um, so we had them as a partner and I must give credit to telemedia productions, John Salem and his crew, the, the company that we hired as a third party to help us to do a lot of the infrastructure. We didn't have a lot of the technical aspects, providing the cameras, providing a lot of the human resources. Uh, that uh, we did not have on staff at that time, um, and so it was launched initially as uh, through New Lion as a pay service, a you know a paywall, a subscriber service, um, and we were getting you know a couple thousand subscribers, uh, and and we but we were still piecing a lot of things together. For example, we weren't doing uh, we when we would do a football or a basketball, we would marriage up. A, the camera work with whatever was on the radio at that time. So you would hear Mike Schickman doing a, a men's basketball game at home, uh, usually with Carl Magenhofer at that time, and we were just tying that in. That was the audio source. and But they could have been talking about something totally different than what the cameras were showing, so it wasn't ideal. Same with football. The first, when we launched it from a football perspective, you were just seeing the Minitron. Uh, that was it. Uh, you, you, whatever was on there is what you were seeing. So at least you had somewhat of a connectivity what was going on in the stadium. Uh, a couple of years we were behind that paywall, but then we convinced New Lion uh, to recast the, the, the contract and we would pay them a rate that would offer it up free. And we had already we had already gotten um, what was now what is now Jamie's sports properties or with our own marketing. We were already starting to sell advertising. Nobody else was doing or very few uh, mid majors or uh, anyone above uh, below the P5 weren't selling many advertisers uh, to advertisers at that time. We were and not that we were paying. uh, It wasn't a break even deal, but we were cutting pretty good, probably about 67 to 75 percent of what we were paying to get those productions done, we were getting back in return from advertising. So that was, that was outstanding. Uh, And then we go free, we go free to the general public and that's where Matazone really took off, which makes sense, you know, and the, the the difficult thing there too at that time was people were reluctant to buy a lot of subscriptions because they were not familiar with it. They were not comfortable with it. Um, And so they were reluctant to just jump aboard and, even if it was only seven ninety five a month or whatever it was at that time, you know they were they were kind of reluctant to do that. So let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, what happened? The the big upgrade occurred when Bridgeforce Stadium was uh, renovated, and Charlie King said, "Hey, we want to do internal productions. We want to do a full scale production, uh, and and stop just kind of piecing things together." And that's when. Uh, the next jump in the whole production took place. And so this is all in-house. Uh, and that's when I moved over to uh, more of this, what what my role is currently, or through the last quarter of my full-time career there at JMU. Um, and so we started doing everything independent of what the radio was at that time. So it was much more robust, much more comprehensive. Um, and that, that took on, and we we had that model. We were getting you know great support from the alumni association, many other sponsors, um, and then what happened uh, to shorten the story is we hit the brick wall with Flow Sports. We had to agree with the contract what the uh, our former conference uh, was was having us do, and we hit a little hiccup. You know there was a speed bump in the road. Uh, we had we had investigated some ESPN Plus stuff before that, but it was just not cost effective before. The Flow Sports deal came around, which actually now that we look at it was probably uh, good that we didn't jump in because we want to pull a lot of things back after that. Uh, but then, of course, going to the Sunbelt, boom, we go to ESPN Plus, we get all the financial backing and support from that. And uh, and there's still some evolution going on with that. But we feel internally we're doing a pretty decent job of it. But we also know that there's a lot still on the table that we can do and, and enhance our productions even more.
6: Okay. This is awesome to hear about. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, David. No, I just I just wanted to add a little something here too, because I think uh, Kurt's Kurtz being a little modest uh, in 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 his role with with this at all. Um, you know, the, the transition to uh, to the Sunbelt and obviously FBS F- football, and uh, there were certain things that we had to be ready for as an institution to be able to make that move and it was the foresight that kurt yes there were others there but kurt was 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 the guy who was kind of uh leading the charge back from goodness yeah the late uh, you know the the 0607 somewhere in there uh really putting uh the university in a position where they could make that jump where it was almost seamless in terms of of production and and i know that kurt's gonna say no it wasn't seamless in the background but (laughs) but in in a lot of ways the product that was on matazone is not dissimilar to the product that's on espn plus now and that was because kurt was ahead of ahead of his time um One quick little story about this. You guys are going to regret having asked me on here because I'm the old guy who's going to tell all the old stories. But um, we talk about Jeff Bourne. And of course, Jeff is about to finish his 25th year and and, and retire from the university. And I I think we're all kind of sad about that. Um, When he was new none of this stuff of course existed and i was doing some 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 radio at the time and also working at the university i was kind of at a a a an unusual point in my my career at that at that stage and i went and talked to jeff and i said jeff you know you really you know now that you're 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 here in this role as the the new athletic director at jmu you really need a marketing guy and a broadcast guy And uh, obviously, I was kind of making the pitch that I might be that guy. Uh, I think Jeff agreed, but he's an excellent, excellent hirer, as we have seen in all the hires that he has made. And one of his excellent decisions was not to hire me, because he already had his guy. He had Kurt, and you can see what Kurt did and how that has been a major factor, I think, in JMU's readiness to be able to move to the Sun Belt, um, and I, I just, I just want to say that about my friend here. Who, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of what he's been able to do. Well,
5: thank you, David. And Let me before Mike, you ask your next question. Let me also give David credit. So when David left Sports Information in 1988, I took that job. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> when he left the broadcast booth in 1999, I took that job. So thank you, David, for uh, for advancing your own career so that I could uh, fill those voids and, and oh, try great. to in your shoes. It, it uh, <laughs> but you know, it's been great. I think we've been a, uh, I've enjoyed working with you. I think it's been a great team. He, he went on the university side, but but that too. Uh, I'll say this too. Um, that's one of the key uh, aspects of why athletics has been. Um, very successful is because it's integrated within the university. It's not in its own silo. Um, and and I want to go back again to Jeff Holglace in that regard because yes, I think as he's he's kind of the quiet the quiet AD behind the scenes in many of these things. And because he worked uh, with the president's office with alumni, he knew how important it was back in the '90s. And a lot of the things that we are doing traditionally now. Um, he had a, a vision from that standpoint, you know, and, and many of the things that we do, uh, he was involved with it, but it took 20, 25 years to get a lot of that stuff started. It's just a small, it's a microcosmic example of, of the macro JMU nation.
3: Yeah, this is fascinating guys, because, you know, we, you talked a lot about executing vision and hearing, you know, Jeff Bourne's idea around sports being the front porch of the university and just the visibility Sports has just provided um the entire institution's been amazing. Um, I was getting you know, this all this has been super nostalgic. And Kurt, we've talked about it offline around madison And as a young alum, you know, moving out of JMU and at the time moving to DC, I was it was amazing to me that we had a free madison production. And I, I used to remember this is back when Twitter was Twitter and it was 2012, 2013. I used to tweet and go, When is the archive going to come up? And it was like the old <laughs> St. Francis games or central connecticut state i was be like is the archive coming up when's it gonna happen it was always like the the wednesday or thursday afterwards and i would i would get super excited and you'd have other alums like justin partlow and the guys at sports blog that were we were so excited once the archives would come up from the game so you i think it's it's amazing to hear the vision but also i just want you both to know like the, the impact for like young alums passionate alums that are Way later in their career now, and when we were younger, just we were just super excited and jazzed up just to have that access right and that ability to watch games over and over again. Um, it, it was awesome. Um, fast forward to now. So, my question is just really around like the ESPN Plus production. Um, I know it's been we're what year three in, in the Sun Belt now. Talk to a little bit around like the fans on what goes into those productions, like how we capture sort of the atmosphere and like. Um, how do you guys look at the guests that are coming in and out? Like, take a little bit of – take us fans, like, behind the scenes on how that get, comes together, you know, every Saturday.
5: Yeah, well, it's interesting because Mark was talking about, uh, you know, uh, getting people into the stands, so a- – into the arena a- and just the games. And so one way we kind of look about it uh, I, twofold is, one, um, we understand everybody can't be there, but we want to provide a good program that makes you want to be there, okay? Okay. So, uh, you know, there are so many things that do go on. And of course, uh, we've got to give credit. There's there's two major productions that go on at every football and basketball game, the internal production, which is the video Mm -hmm. board and the ribbon boards and, you know, Katie and her operation. um, And then um, and then, of course, the ESPN plus. Now, a couple of things that I can share with you that uh, has made a a big difference and will continue to make a big difference is that. this past year, it, it took a while, but when we joined the Sun Belt, there was also a new commitment. And this, we, we've retooled a a room in the on the lower level, the entry level uh, or the the court level of the Atlantic Union Bank Center. We have a control room in there now that is pretty darn awesome. Um, Kelly Bowmaster has joined us. He's a JMU alum and he has been with us a couple years. Uh, now and he is responsible for that and he's you'll hear me say you know Kelly Kelly Bowmaster our producer okay so we now have a producer now let me go back again to telemedia productions because they helped this whole evolution but we knew at some point as I said actually 20 years ago uh, that I didn't realize JMU was going to be doing it but I knew that the Oklahomas and the Nebraska's and all the big tens and Everybody else, they were going to have their own internal production crews. Well, we're working towards that. You know, we got a SMAD. We got we got a great school, and so we're trying to tap into that, and we have even throughout my career, and that even goes back to our friend Mr. McNamara a little bit there with some of that. But uh, uh, you, you have that control room, and what we do now is uh, the football games are produced out of the control room in the Atlantic Union Bank Center. Okay, the only thing we have at the – uh, at Bridgeport Stadium are the camera operators, uh, an, an engineer, maybe a backup uh, engineer there, and the commentators. Everybody else is across the interstate in the Atlantic Union Bank Center. The same for uh, it'll be the same for baseball. It'll be the same for for softball. Come spring, lacrosse, uh, the soccer programs back in the in the fall. The same thing ha- happened there. We did have to do it out of a mobile truck on a couple occasions. That is huge because just think about the amount of human resource hours that you need and the wear and tear on equipment if you're running from station to station, from facility to facility. Now, we're not at the point now to where we can do two events at the same time. Maybe it will come to that. That's why if you look at the schedule, you may see an event that uh, is taking place at the same time. Like we might have uh, a lacrosse game. Uh That's on ESPN plus, but only audio coverage, if coverage at all of a baseball or softball game, because we've got it. And but we do have a model. We do have a structure that makes sure that we get a high percentage of everybody's home games. Uh, When we started off, it was all football, all basketball and only three of every other sport. But now we're more like 75 to 80, 90 percent of every sport as well. Uh, that is suitable. Now, I'm not talking about the golf or the tennis at this particular stage because those are a little a little different challenge uh, to do that. But um, but as far as all that is concerned, so, uh, Mike, we, we do have that control room. Uh, you know, you have Kelly. We, we rely on a lot of the students that are practicums and interns to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes work. And then one thing we did, too, when we went to ESPN+, Plus, and this was at the recommendation of the Sun Belt. Um, you know, if you listened or you watched Matazone through the years, I was usually working with the student as an analyst or, you know, somebody to help to assist with the commentary. Uh, we've gone to either uh, professionals or uh, analysts that have a tie to the sport. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a good example here. Um, coming up on Thursday, uh, we're going to debut a new um, analyst for men's basketball, a fellow by the name of Kirby Dean. Now Kirby is a name that you know if you're here in the Valley, because Kirby played at Spotswood High School. He coached with Kenny Brooks and Bart Belairs at Virginia Military. Uh came back to his all moderate Eastern Mennonite University and and led them to he coached their men's team for a good number of years. If you like Kenny Brooks, you'll like Kirby Dean, because those dudes are they're 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 like thing one and thing two. I mean, yeah, they are And so he's going to be, he's a little, he's actually, he said, I'm a little overconfident when it comes to coaching. I'm not quite sure about commentating, but I'm sure he'll do fine. So we've, we've made that change. We do have some other things that we feel like we're leaving out on the table, but that, that will come, uh, I'm I'm sure in the, in the very near future. And right now, even Kevin Warner in his role as one of our assistant ADs, uh, he's working closely with, school of media arts and design to help to streamline what we've already been doing for for many many years.
4: Well, I'm going to take you guys back to the old days since the three of us are the oldest ones old probably on here. Um kind of back to the 80s and and my question the theme of it's going to be how do we keep our magic going? Hmm. And so for the folks that are listening that that didn't graduate back then like like we did. Um back in 8081 our men's football our men's basketball team was 21 and 9 we beat Georgetown in the NCAA tournament. 81 82, we were 24 and six. Uh, we beat Ohio State in the NCAA tournament and lost to the Carolina team with Sam Perkins, uh, James Worthy, Jimmy Black, and some guy named Michael Jordan, something. I don't know. Some freshman kid that, that didn't end up being much of anything um, in his career. So we lost that game 52 to 50. And then the next uh, we we came out then in 82 and 83 and went 20 and 11, beat Ohio State. So to me back then, football was, the only thing we did in football that I can recall is we beat UVA in 1982 and then lost to him in 83, and the football was just okay. So back my memory, and y'all tell me if I'm wrong, but we were a major basketball school. Um, To me, we were not at the Gonzaga, Butler level, but in our own little world, we we were probably where VCU was a couple years ago. Um, in terms of just being a really good mid-major, mid-Atlantic team. So how do we keep the magic going? I'll start with David and, you know, how do we keep it going from this year? Cause I think we've caught a run here. It feels awful, uh, awfully like the early 80 time, for, time frame for me. And so I'll start with David and then uh, go over to you, Kurt, but how do we keep that magic going?
6: Uh, that, that's a fantastic question, Steve. And, and you had that, that run of uh, three NCAA tournaments. Uh, and keep in mind that was when the NCAA tournament only had 48 teams in it. It was harder to get in, and that middle team, the 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 one that went 24 and six, did not win the uh, conference tournament. Got an at-large bid. Imagine that we got an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Uh, 1983, we also sent baseball team to the College World Series um and in 1982 along with that win uh over the university of virginia by the football team the football team went eight and three early in one double a and was probably uh had had the field been as large i think there were only eight teams that made the one double a tournament uh field at that time had the field been probably even at 12 uh, they would have made their first playoff appearance so you're right it looked like in 1983 in, in particular that, uh, that the university really had, had, uh, had, had caught lightning in a bottle with success all across campus. And of course, lots of other things happening on campus as well in terms of expansion of enrollment um, and uh, new facilities and, and uh, kind of an emergence of James Madison University. From the 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 previous perception of Madison College, uh, which uh, you know we, we weren't that that many years away from away from that. Um, so how do you how do you obviously you could say well you know maybe we failed to maintain the magic then uh, and. You know, I'm going to kind of say that I th- I, th- I think we managed to maintain the culture of the institution and maintaining that culture of the institution, maintaining um, an energy behind engaging with alumni and community and building JMU, if, if, and Steve, I know you were on campus along about the same time I was, Harrisonburg didn't feel like J. M. The place that you know there wasn't a great relationship necessarily. It wasn't a bad relationship, but certainly there wasn't the pride that you see in Harrisonburg in the Shenandoah Valley about being the the home location of James Madison University that you see now. The level of alumni engagement that I think we've begun to see the level of uh, alumni giving is always going to be difficult for a public institution but uh, it's clear that the university is making strides in in doing that Um, i think we have to we have to recognize that jmu's been really an active fundraising organization for probably 25 years really you know in terms of resourcing what's necessary to be able to raise money from private uh, from private donations, and when you're looking and comparing to you know the folks across the mountain who've been doing it for 200 years, it's 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 a different game. Um, so, I, I think how do you keep the magic going? How you how do you keep things going? There are two things: one, the culture of the university. Kurt said it very well in terms of. Uh, the university's athletic program is a part of the university. It doesn't sit aside from uh, from JMU. There aren't two. There aren't two um, different uh, perceptions of what the athletic program is and what the the university is. It they're they're both in the same. I think regarded in the same uh, level of excellence. Um, so maintaining that culture and that ability to work across. Divisions and and across departments uh, to be innovative on campus, to uh, continue to find ways to be more efficient with what resources we have, uh, which has been a hallmark of the university. I think that's number one. Number two is to continue the process that we've that we've uh, been doing really since. You know, since since that '83 or in that in that time period, which is engaging more, finding more opportunities for alumni to have meaningful engagement with the university in a variety of ways, coming to games, but also being engaged with their academic programs, uh, uh, being involved in service projects that the university uh, is a partner in. Uh, and obviously in in private giving, uh, those are, to me, those are the two big areas that have to be maintained um, and that will be necessary to probably, you know, ride this very tumultuous time that we see in college athletics in particular. And probably, you know, if you look at the headlines across the country in higher education in general, uh, it's, 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 it's a bumpy time in a lot of places, uh, you know, even in the Ivy League. Um, so it's, 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 uh, I, I think the university's culture and the further engagement of alumni and community are going to be the key things to, to go forward.
4: Bert, I mean, you have anything on that one?
5: Yeah. I'll, I'll just want to say kind of a quick, uh, kind of a perspective type thing here too, is that, you know, All of that happened at basketball uh, when I was still at my alma mater, Bridgewater College. I was in school, finished up there in 83. Um, But that also happened at a time when, you know, as David mentioned earlier, we are relatively young, and and it's still a relatively young uh, athletic program, but we're starting to reach some maturity, as is our uh, alumni uh, group. Uh, If you look at it back in the 80s, in some regards – a lot of that was done with smoke and mirrors, um, and you know, I mean, and and I say that very respectfully. Um, and you know, and the vision that Dr. Carrier had, not just in athletics, but also on the university, is he turned his attention in the '90s to what everything has been built on the the east side of the interstate. So, um, you know, and certainly there were a lot of other people working with us there at that time too. But those alums in the early '80s, let's look at the history of the school. What were most of the alumni at that time that were in their giving years? What what was their profession? They were teachers. You know, they don't have a whole lot of you know, income that they could give as a Duke Club member or anything like that. We're we're much further along that now. We have a much more mature and financially mature alumni group, but we still need to improve upon that. So I think that one way I wanted to put some some historical perspective on that because I think that is part of our history uh, as an athletic program and as a university. But I also want to say that we're on the, you know, we're up on that upper scale now where we can move along if uh, if we can get that engagement, but it's important to have that engagement. You know, it's, it's important to, to have people in the stands to enjoy it, to make sure that that's uh, something that they are willing to support, you know, and, uh, and we see it internally. We just need to have it, the alumni come back and become a part of that internal operation as well.
0: So, so Kurt, I, I wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about Corey Specter a little bit. Um, okay. somebody new who's come on, and I know he's he's, he's a, a bright. Talented young face who's who's also leading his voice in the JMU landscape, but also an opportunity to mention guys like Dave Rigert. And, and I know you also have a, a close working relationship with many of the SIDs that help pull these broadcasts off. Um, just just feel it'll be a good opportunity as we, we wrap up, maybe the discussion on the broadcasting side. Um, any other names that you'd want to shout out? I know Chris Brooks, you work very closely with. You mentioned Kevin Warner, um, the types of, of guys who give you the stats and the information to make. Um, your job a lot easier than any of the other analysts that are on these broadcasts. Any any other names you'd want to mention uh, as a part of tonight to to just let the JMU fan base know what it takes to make one of these broadcasts a reality?
5: Well, it does take a lot of work. I may not have uh, I may not have actually uh, answered Michael's question to the fullest because it does take quite a while uh, to really comprehensively answer that. Is more than what time we have here this evening, I'm sure. But yeah, the, we can't do it without the folks behind the scenes. Now. Um, you know, as I said earlier, our industry has changed quite a bit and sports information staffs are stretched pretty thin, namely because uh, social media is taking a lot of their time away. So we, re- we rely a lot on what information they do provide with uh, to us from their notes, uh, from what is out on the website. Uh, but it's for every sport. You know, 20 years ago, we weren't broadcasting field hockey, volleyball and, and soccer, um, and so that's changed quite a bit too. We, we heavily rely on them. So kudos to all the SIDs who put in a heck of a lot of hours, uh, to it. And, and there are a lot of folks that, uh, they get thrown into it. And many of them, you see a big amount of turnover in that too, because it can be a very, uh, burnout style job, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, it can take you out of that profession in a hurry, particularly after you work, uh, you know, a full couple of seasons there. So, but yeah, but Corey, uh, his story here we during my transition of going in from a full time employee to a part time employee, and with us wanting to uh, make sure that we were getting all the coverage we possibly could, uh, he was he was brought on. He was a recent grad of Syracuse and uh, certainly is a very talented, he's skillful as well as, well as very talented uh, as an individual, as a broadcaster, and can and very multi talented, multi faceted. He can work from one venue to the other. I mean, in football, we use him for. Uh, he's doing sideline for JMU foot, football for not only when he's at home, not only for radio, but also for you know ESPN Plus as well. So he's doing a juggling act down there on the field and, and does that you know very seamlessly as well. But that gives us a chance to uh, you know more bang for our buck. We're we're multi-purposing our stories and we're getting them out to to all those audiences. Um, but uh, yeah, there there have been a, a lot of names, John. I mean, I go back to when when you and Uh, And many other of your your classmates were working with us, you know, during that time we came out from just doing those little Duke Sports Center reports to where we are now. Uh, But I think you're going to see many more faces get out there, uh, you know, in the future as well. Uh, One other thing I want to say that I I intended to say when Mike asked me that question, too, is uh, one of the things I feel like JMU's productions, the JMU Sports Network for ESPN Plus Productions, that we try to separate ourselves from the competition, so to speak, is – we want to provide a production that is enjoyable by not only the JMU nation, but whatever other school is watching, whoever else is watching. And I look at that from a business standpoint. If you're a sponsor, um, you know, if, if you're a, a national brand, let's say Pepsi, Pepsi is one of the JMU sponsors, of course. Pepsi doesn't care whether you're a fan of the Dukes or you're a fan of South Alabama, right? They want to get as many eyeballs as they can on their product. So we want to make sure that we're holding those eyeballs from South Alabama coming up on Thursday night so that Pepsi is taken care of. That's just looking at it from a business standpoint. So, sure, we've got the the knowledge of JMU Athletics. Uh, we've got the knowledge of those, of those athletes, those student athletes. We spend an awful lot of time with them. Uh, quite frankly, the transfer portal is going to – challenge that a little bit because you don't know how long they're going to be around, but that will certainly challenge us a little bit with some of those stories. Um, but, uh, but we also want to make sure that we are doing our diligence and spending time. In fact, just before we went on the air, I was working on my spotting chart for the South Alabama game and I'm going to do an interview with their coach. You know, I've got their coach lined up for Wednesday and coach Kearns of Appalachian state going to talk to him on Tuesday. Uh, but, You know, you're pulling all that data together because you never know how the game is going to turn and you got to have a lot more material in front of you than what you're actually going to use. Um, But uh, but we do try to make sure that uh, the the opposition, one of the biggest compliments that we receive is if for some reason, whether it's an email or just a uh, random bumping into somebody from another school and they say, we really enjoyed watching our team play when they were there at JMU because of the production. Um, And so that's the biggest compliment. It's great to get compliments from the Jamie Nation, but it's even greater for me personally to get compliments from the other school, because then I think we've done our job for not only of our sponsors, but also to be, uh, you know, a a good product for for anybody that happens to tune in. We don't want to lose them. We want the numbers to be up there.
0: Well, I will say that that's also the lesson you imparted to me in the first meeting we ever had when I came in as a freshman. You asked me what my style was and you said even for PA announcing you're not just announcing for JMU you're announcing for both fan graces. And I, and our producer Chandler fortune is somebody who's heard that message from me as I tell high school students now is you're a PA announcer for everybody, not just the home fans. So right. I, I took that lesson to heart. I, I do want to ask uh, the last question for both of you. Cause I think it's uh, we're now in 2024, which means it's the 20th anniversary of the 2014. And I want to start with you, David um, as we kick off what, what I imagine is going to be a year uh, of celebrations and, and, Uh, reflection about that oh four team uh just your thoughts as we come upon this anniversary in in a team that it wasn't the first great team at jmu but but a team in many ways that um poured lighter fluid on this program and and helped it reach where we are today and um just your thoughts both of you on on where you're at as we approach uh what's a really important milestone in this athletic department's uh, history.
6: Well, you know, I think Steve hit on it earlier when he was talking about the uh, early 80s and how we became a basketball school. And I, I think we, uh, I don't know, on campus, I always thought of us as a, as a basketball school until 04. And 04, 04 said we can be a football school and we can be a football school at a very high level. And uh, I remember that that year as a time when we started seeing the stands fill up. I remember the homecoming game, the win over Delaware, who had, uh, was a defending national champion. Uh, I'll never forget Mike Chickman's call of the uh, of the punt return. Uh, oh and 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 Kurt Dudley's uh, foreshadowing looks returnable. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it, it 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 was a punt return that won the won the ball game. Um but the crowd was that was a different level. That was a different experience at Old Bridgeforth Stadium uh before uh before any of the expansion and 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 I think that really kind of meant that football was going to become the program that kind of bootstrapped the rest of the university's public perception from an athletic standpoint as we as we went forward um now i got to tell you as the old as, as the old marketing guy hearing people you know just kind of uh virally call us the everything university is like the best thing in the world. I mean, absolutely, from a marketing standpoint, I couldn't I couldn't want to, that's music to my ears. Um, but uh, but I do think that 014 made a huge difference because uh, the 90s were kind of lean in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw things begin to change under Lynn Rose, under Charlie King, under Jeff Bourne, under Jeff Polglace. Uh, at, at right around the turn of the century, you began to see things change, and 04 became the first real public visible point of that.
5: Yeah, that, that season kind of snuck up the way that it was. It played out. Um, David, I think that punt return to me is one of the, if, if you were to poll me, I think that is one was one of the pivotal plays in JMU football history. There are plenty of other big ones out there, but to me, that one play, without it, I don't know. We won the national championship. You know, there were some other things that had to happen, obviously, but uh, but that was uh, and, and that was certainly, uh, I think, was Mike Chickman's best call. Uh, I really enjoy. It. I, I I get goosebumps. no flags, no get, flags. No <laughs> flags. Yeah, yeah, I know Taylor. Taylor probably said no flags many times after that to me and, and others as well. So, uh, but that 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 season, just the way it kind of crept up, but I, it was it was sort of like the tip of the iceberg too, as it uh, it it. it The Dukes emerged. It started to get some attention. And I think it wasn't so much what the national impact was, but it was more so on what the JMU Nation impact was. It really got that attention. And we had to capture that first before you could even expand it out nationally. Um, And if if you don't have that occur, I I think we would have struggled a little bit more. Um, Of course, then after that, we're a little up and down in football. We, We made the playoffs every so often there afterwards. But then that, that also helped to set the bar on the standard. you know. And uh, so you know, since 2013, that standard has been upheld more often than not, uh, not only by football, but many of the other schools. Well,
0: I just want to say, if you ever have an opportunity to bring back the NFL Films music for a highlight package, <laughs> you'll have at least one fan. I, I cannot listen to those videos without saying, it's like you played that one song. I feel like the entire 04 season is the... highlight narration music which is great but uh gentlemen i i can't thank you enough this episode meant a lot to me personally i i've told you kurt offline and and i haven't had a chance to tell david this but i learned a lot from both of you um during my time at jmu and my time since then um and the thing that i learned the most from you is is how to conduct yourself a professional um manner and and with dignity and respect in your broadcast for all the great work you do on your calls and insight and stuff it's it's the class that you carry yourself Um, each and every day on the broadcast that that I've always admired. And I think you both helped to uh, launch a number of, of people's broadcasting careers who took that to heart as well. Uh, and that's something I think both of your legacies you should be very proud of. Is is you showed people how to do it with class, and, and it's always meant a lot to me. So, um, thank you for spending uh, a lot of your Sunday nights. We hope you come back because as we go throughout the uh, the off season, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the 04 season, and and your your voice and your insight is very valuable to that. So uh, we know you got uh, other things to do here Sunday nights. So thanks for spending some time with us, and uh, we hope
5: to do it again down the road. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Enjoy.
0: And with that we're going to bring back our other co-hosts for our final thoughts segment guys I wow that was a uh, we, we keep saying it in the private parts of this every one of our episodes we seem to find something new that uh makes it special really great for Mark Bynson and and David Taylor and Kurt Dudley you're not going to find two gentlemen with a greater context and understanding of the history of Jamie Athletics um start with you uh Taylor your final thoughts we, we there's so much has happened uh, and Jamie, Athletics, yeah. we we last talked, to, and I know we're at an hour and 15. We won't get to get to any of it. Obviously, a bowl game happened. We've uh, had assistant coaches added, um, lots of recruiting news. But um, what's on your mind, Taylor, uh, for final thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think we thought we'd have a lot, a lot more time for final thoughts, but I'm kind of glad we don't because, like you Absolutely. just said, um, hearing Kurt and David talk, it, it, it's one of those things where um, – We could have gone another hour and I probably could have sat here as a JMU fan and appreciated every moment they talked. I I will give a quick story um, that I think Kurt will appreciate me sharing. This is back when Rodney Landers was playing. I was in my second year working with the Duke club and Rodney and I played in Virginia beach uh, against each other. And Kurt had, this is back when we were still in the old stadium, the offices there, (laughs) Kurt had uh, this, Uh, dividing wall in his office where sometimes he'd have an intern or someone working behind that wall. So I walk into Kurt's office and he pulls me in and for some reason he just starts questioning me about Rodney Landers. Taylor, didn't you play in Virginia Beach? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was it like playing? It was tough. Did he like, I mean, he, he kicked your butt. I was like, Oh man, I'll never forget this one play. I I tried to tackle him, you know, and I'm just, I'm just talking about how great Rodney is and how much he is. Hey, Rodney and Rodney was behind this wall the whole time. And, I didn't really know Rodney Landers that well. I mean, we knew I knew of him because we played against each other, but I, I've always thought it was funny, and Kurt will bring up the times where he baited me into that conversation, and uh, it, was, it was a job well done by him. But um, I'll try to be quick with final thoughts. There, there has just been so much that's happened with the bowl game. We continue to uh, bring on new coaches. New players are coming in. Um, basketball continued their run. Of being 14 and 0, the greatest start in Jamie Men's basketball history. Uh, you know, climbed up to 19. I think they were 18 actually earlier in the season. Dropped down to 20, went back up to 19. Uh, tomorrow, the new top 25 rankings come out. Um, if you're asking me, you know, m- my heart says I'd love to see them still in the top 25. My head says uh, they might fall out. There were a lot of uh, teams at the bottom of the top 25 that lost. So. Uh, you'll never know. And at the end of the day, I, I, I pointed this out with Byington. When you talk about JMU being a top 19-18 team, that is different than when JMU was top 19-18 in football because there's almost three times as many teams. So to pull off what they've done, um, even to be where they are right now at 14-1, and one, they're still in full control as the top team in the Sun Belt. Um, the way the Sun Belt tournament does work, for those that aren't familiar, is it is a five-day Five days of basketball games for the men. I believe the men play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I believe the women play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And if those days are off, I apologize. Look into it yourself. But long story short, if you are a top four seed, you get two buys in the tournament. So at the end of the day, whether Jamie finishes first, which I still think they will, or they finish fourth, you're you you're getting those two by. So that's really what you're seeking out at this point. Um, I do think the last two games, and I, and I mean this as a positive, they were a little chippy, and I think that was good because it just shows how much these teams care about each other. I know there's a lot of new rivalries, maybe not as familiar with each other, but every team wants to go out there and win. And the way you've seen it on Twitter, I mean, I, I've been shocked how many fan bases have been coming after JMU, uh, football, basketball, just all around, and – it, it really, you know, I've had a couple of JMU fans come up to me and say something like, you know, we maybe really should kind t- of to tone it down because, you know, I-, I don't want us to be the most hated team in our conference. And I said, you know, does Alabama in the SEC say, you know, I, I really wish we could be a little bit more liked, or or does UNC in the ACC when it comes to basketball, are they like, you know, I know we're good, but I wish we were more like, no. The reason you're hated is because you're envied and everyone wants to be you. And right now, JMU has had two of the best, FBS football seasons at the G5 level. We've done what no other team has ever done, and we haven't even fully transitioned yet. I even had a controversial tweet that I didn't mean to be controversial when I said something a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, when Ole Miss, they announced that Ole Miss had their first 11-game season, and I tweeted out, you know, it took Ole Miss 130 years, a great SEC program, to get to 11 wins, and they needed a postseason win to get there. And I said, JMU got 11 wins in the regular season in its second year. And, of course, I, I don't know how that transitioned into, oh, you think JMU going to win 11 games every year? No, I, I don't. That's specifically why I said it's so important to cherish that. And then I had the people come in and say, oh, you think winning 11 in the Sun Belt is the same as this? No. No, I don't. You know, But the, the point of that is, whether it's the football team and what we've experienced the last couple of years. And to be quite honest, to see the, the coaching staff that Chesney's putting together and to see the players that are coming in, um, I, I, I'm biased. My expectations are, are getting higher by the minute for next year because of just how good I think we can be. But when you when you mix all of that with what, um, you know, soccer has done and volleyball and lacrosse and, you know, upcoming, we have spring sports in the Sun Belt. Softball and baseball, perennially, per, perennially, Sun Belt – I'm not saying that word right, (laughs) but the Sunbelt, that's, that's two of their best sports traditionally. And um, you know, so we, there's a lot of excitement still to come Uh, both men's and women's basketball are, are looking to finish in the top of their conference. And um, we, we, we maybe tend to overemphasize this. So I won't beat a dead, dead horse, but it's really important for everyone to recognize where JMU currently is in the national landscape of college athletics at a time where college athletics is changing at an unprecedented rate. And so no one knows what lays ahead, not only for JMU, but really for college athletics in general. So it is so important to get involved and be engaged and be supportive with your time, with your resources, with your money, with your advocacy, whatever you can so that when that turn comes, and whatever direction it goes, JMU is positioned Um, just as they have been for the last two decades. And, you know, uh, well, I'll I'll kind of end with that, just that, you know, we've we've had a great leader at the helm in Jeff Bourne. um, So there is another major change that's going to be coming up in the next year here. And so uh, really just encourage everyone to get out and get out to the basketball games this year. It's a a great venue and and you just, the experience is unlike any other. And the more people that are there, the more it's going to continue to be uh, one of the most feared places to play on the East Coast. So with that, I'll turn it over.
0: I just want to say if there's any video evidence of you trying to tackle Rodney Landers, anybody out there who finds video or photography, we'll give you a sound off. Shoot I was going to say, it. like, can we go back to that? Like, did we just that's, totally if, if, looked
2: over if that? Rodney,
0: if, anybody, if anybody in Rodney's family, like, recorded a highlight tape from that day, so... It's just a pancake. Well, just whatever. Just pancake. Just pancake. Throwing I'm that flat. out there, if it can yeah. be found. Well, I'll see you Saturday, Taylor. I'm, I'm making the trip up to the game. Um, Michael, so much I know that you'd like to focus on the, a lot of recruiting news... Follow you on Twitter if you want to see that. Um, anything you're thinking about, uh, final thoughts for you, just on anything that's
3: happened since we last did our, our episode. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I think, I mean, how do you follow up Taylor's? Because I feel like we just like ran the gamut there. But we were talking about it before we went live. Um, if anything, the last, what, four to five weeks have taught us all um, on this show and also all of Jamie Nation is, is just patience. Um, let Chesney cook, right? If you look at, we've had a bowl game. We've had people come. We've had people go. I think we've we've signed 14 high school recruits. Um, we lost four to the prior coach, and we flipped four from Liberty, Yukon, Marshall, and Jacksonville State. Um, another Florida quarterback at that. And um, as of the next, as of the last hour, we've we've also allegedly signed 11 portal players, including a former Pac-12 starter at quarterback. And I think last year North Texas. I think he
0: might be on TV tomorrow night. I've heard.
3: I think so. Right. I think he just might, right? about, think he might be on something about like, you know, championships and all that stuff. Right. Like, and then in the last hour, right. We allegedly got a North Texas, you know, leading rusher from an American um, conference program. Um, you know, we, we've had all the questions around, you know, can he recruit at this level? Can he attract high level prospects? Like, are we going to recover? Is, is, is the world going to end? And you're just seeing him go through the process. And for our listeners, I want to also share like over the last couple of weeks as we've gotten to have some insight into the coaching staff, like it's very interesting to see sort of who he's going to be bringing in. And if you've been following some of the football scoops, um, the tradition and the level of winning and expectation this new coaching staff will provide, um, I think we're going to be really happy with with who he officially brings in once all that comes to light, right? Um, Patience is key. So I'm expecting hopefully more news, right? We've got, I'm looking at our depth chart and all the players are coming and going, guys are signing and I'm like, you know, love to see a couple more running backs, love to see some linebackers, maybe some receivers come in as well, but I have no doubt that that will happen um, in hopefully the next coming days. So I'll leave it at that. We've got, uh, John, we we still owe our fans a recruiting episode and just a reminder that National Signing Day, the official one is February 7th. So um, tune in soon for that, but glad to be back.
4: Awesome. Glad you're feeling better. Steve Brown, final thoughts. Michael took my patience deal because I had the Guns and Roses lyrics up that I was going to talk about with patience, but I'll, I'll leave that out since he, um, since he hit that hard. Um, I, I will follow up on a couple of things that uh, I think are important, and I think a lot of it came out of David and Kurt. Um, and I wrote down a lot of what they talked about. Um, one of the things I put in here, and Jeff Polglace probably won't like to hear it, but he and I went to school together. We were in the same major. I wrote down polglace is the Dick Cheney of JMU. And I mean that in a nice way. I mean it in a way that where he's actually doing the work behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see. Um, they get things done. Now I know Dick Cheney took some bad hits back in the back in time. And I don't mean that toward Jeff. I mean only the good. Um, and then what David said, and I liked when I said, you know, how do you keep the magic? And he said, you know, the culture of the university is key. Um, and what I think a lot of folks, I won't even say it's a lot, it's a minority group of folks on social media. Um, make it sound like the world's gonna end anytime something changes. Um, I'm looking this week probably for some of those same folks to talk about how bad the basketball team is at 14 and one. Um, I'm sure we'll hear some of that nonsense from from those folks and um, ignore that, folks. You know, when you hear that our team's 14 and one, um, we lost a tough game. You know, was it our best game? You heard Coach Byington say no. Um, is it tough to play on the road? Yeah. Did any of us expect to go undefeated? No. Um, I'm looking at the schedule now. I think we've got a tough January and a tough February. Um, if we go eight and one in January, that's outstanding. Um, that's four games at home and four on the road. Um, February, we got five games at home. If we can go eight and one in February, that's great. But we end the basketball stretch with four games on the road. Um, that's going to be a monumental Herculean task to win four games on the road. Can this team do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And you heard Coach Byington talk about how, you know, he's written down 50 different notes today on how they can play defense better. Um, They're a pretty doggone good team. And he's sitting there scoping out on on Sunday morning, how can we be better on defense? I guarantee you when you go Thursday night and you go on Saturday of this week and that place is rocking, this team is going to roll. And if the fans out there don't like it and the people on social media don't like it, I don't give a crap. Um, I'm going to continue to be obnoxious. And if you don't like it, don't come. Um, But the bottom line is the people that are showing up with the thousands and thousands in the arena and the millions and millions watching from home, uh, we're going to continue to do what we do, people. If you don't like it, learn to love it because we're going to roll you in basketball for men. We're going to roll you in women's basketball, come softball. We're going to smack you, Um, come lacrosse, come field hockey. We're taking it all. And if you don't like the everything school then leave the conference because we don't need you. We'll bring somebody else in and enroll you. Um, Support every of these folks, man. Show up for these games. I'm really happy with Coach Chesney's doing. I'm really happy with the coaching staff he's put together. I'm excited for the recruits that are coming in. We got a lot to be thankful for. Um, We went through some ups and downs in the last month. Um, But honestly, it kind of went up as soon as Coach Chesney got hired. Um, I got a a spark when he got hired. Now I'm watching what he's doing. Um, and for those folks out there like, well, you know, he's not doing any recruiting. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you continue to talk about that nonsense and let's watch and see what he does. Um, I'm loving what he does. You're going to love what he puts on the prod on the product on the field. You're going to love spring ball. Um, can't wait to see what this university is gonna do. So come support the Dukes on Thursday night. Um, Come out and see the women. I think the women on the road this week, but come see the men on Thursday and and Saturday. Um, Alice and I will be there on Saturday. Um, Mountaineers, feel free to come to town, but we're gonna kick your ass. So come on to town. South Alabama, I'm not so worried about you on Thursday night. We'll roll you too. But Mountaineers, I'm looking forward to having some fun with Yosef or whatever you wanna call that stupid mascot of yours. Bring him on.
0: New Year, same Steve. Steve, I just want to know you're gonna wear the, the uh the robe to basketball. And we also need Maybe. Alice. Alice is gonna start working on like a like a yeah. short sleeve cooler version for spring and, and sports when so it's a little hotter. So uh look I forward mean, to seeing you, you guys. The there you go, bring the robe. All right, well, guys, great episode. Uh, again, uh Coach Byington, thank you uh for taking a few minutes out of your night. David Taylor, Kurt Dudley. Legends in their own making, and we appreciate their time to the fans. As always, if you're somebody who wants uh, more information about that coach's experience, MontpelierCollective.com, you can purchase your tickets um, for an opportunity to have uh, the coach for a day, a unique JMU basketball experience. Um, again, your support uh, of that raffle and that opportunity uh, gets you an opportunity to potentially win uh, that game day experience against ODU. And again, that money, as Coach mention mentioned, um, directly impacts our student-athletes on campus and allows us to compete. Um, so again, MontpelierCollective.com. To our sponsors, uh, Montpelier Collective, as always, thank you. And Tim Nelson, Skyline Financial, we appreciate your support. And with that, we'll say go Dukes. We'll see you next Sunday night at 8 p.m. for JMU Sound Off.
5: Go Dukes.